0: Hi everybody, it's Mike Hancock here and welcome to our Lifestyle Entrepreneur Summit and in the screen there waiting patiently you saw Jeanette Jifkins from Brisbane in Australia where she tells me it's very hot. Hi Jeanette, how are you doing?
1: Hi Mike, I'm doing really well. How about you?
0: I'm great actually, really, really good. Now Jeanette and I have known each other for nearly 10 years I think, so along with her husband Tony and we've been several places around the world together and you know, we're, we're recently just in Italy doing cooking together and hopefully Tony's cooking Italian food behind you, is he?
1: Uh, it's not Italian tonight, but it'll still be very yummy, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> very good. Well, let's get into this for the folks. Now, the first thing I wanted to cover off is that you're a lawyer, a very experienced lawyer. It's something you've been doing basically your, your whole career. You've got a, a, a very specialised way in which you um uh, do it as well and so let's give a little bit about your commercial background first and then I want to explore because some people are going to be watching this call going why is there a lawyer on a lifestyle entrepreneur call so <laughs> I want to explore this um how you actually turned law into a lifestyle business but let's let's start with uh, how you got into law and, and a bit of your background.
1: Okay thanks Mike. Um, how I got into law I've Just in exploring uh, recently, I've realized that when I was little, I used to watch Geoffrey Robertson do hypotheticals on TV. Now, he's an Australian lawyer who moved to Britain and did these television programs all through, I think, the late 70s, um, really grilling people and making people think about real issues in life not just from a legal perspective and I was always fascinated and I thought how clever he was and then when I finished high school I just had, I knew I had an entry score that would get me into law and I was looking for something that would go with my Japanese language which I don't have so much anymore Um, and, uh, and I got law. And it was a fluke, really, because once I started studying it, I absolutely loved it, and I always have. It's just, I love the intricacy of it. I love what you can do with it. I love, you know, it. it there's, you can really get some intellectual engagement out of it, and that's what I loved. So I stuck with it. Um, I went through some ups and downs. Uh, I really discovered that working with top tier legal practices didn't suit me at all because you have no relationship with clients whatsoever. And I really, I just, I couldn't see how we were doing any benefit for clients. Um, I could see how we were benefiting the firm but not how we were helping our clients. So I moved out of top tier and into smaller firms and in the end I moved in house. So I worked inside organisations and I did that for over eight and a half years and absolutely loved it. But I got to a point where I went, I want more out of my week then getting up in the morning and going to work and spending half the night awake worrying about what I've got to do the next day and then sleeping all day Saturday because I'm just exhausted from a week of work and I couldn't do it anymore. It's not fun. As as challenging and intellectually enjoyable as it is, it's not fun. so, I think
0: that's where a lot of people on this call are too, Jeanette, is that yeah. the reason why, that, why they're on there and they're listening here is because A, they've got an interest in what you're saying, but B, they're looking to escape out of that exact rat race or call it whatever you like. So your journey that you went on to extricate yourself out of um, the whole commercial rat race side of a profession and into yeah. doing what you do now... Um, how long did that take and what were the steps?
1: It was a v- slow progress for me, but you've got to understand my personality type is is um, methodical and um, not necessarily daring or creative. I have a husband who dares me to do things and things I would never do otherwise. <laughs> uh, so I really had... For me it was slow progress and the very first step was actually when we went to Egypt back in I think 2008. Correct. That that was really expanded my thinking that trip and then on the way home on the plane I read The 4-Hour Working Week by Tim Ferriss and for some reason Before that point, intellectually, I got that people ran businesses and they earned money and all that sort of thing. But I really didn't get that that was possible for me. I had the real employee mindset and that I had to have someone else dictate to me what I did and pay me for it. And I had to be grateful for that. And then I read the 4-Hour Workweek and I went, oh, my God, of course people run their own businesses. Of course they make money from it. You know? it was a massive paradigm shift and that is really what got me started in saying okay this is possible and then I dabbled um, with Tony in a couple of little side businesses and learning really how to do business and building up courage and then in 2011 We moved from Melbourne back to Queensland. So we're Queenslanders originally, but uh, we were in Melbourne for almost 10 years. And when we moved back, I thought, okay, I'll run my own practice. But I actually didn't really know where to start. I didn't, even though I had been working in house in an organisation, I still didn't have a real idea on working out what it was that was most important to my clients and how to engage with clients effectively. So I tried that for six months and I wasn't satisfied that it was going anywhere, or at least not anywhere that was sustainable at that time in our lives. So I went back and and worked inside a uh, medium-sized enterprise for three years as their general counsel and company secretary. And they, they were a private business, still owned by the family, but they were turning over $100 million a year Wow! and they had, they had nine business units. So I had an opportunity to really learn from a highly functioning business that had been around for 70 years how to do business. And I paid yep. attention. Uh, and then, as I say, I got to a point where I thought, if I stick with this, it's going to be burnout. Um, and I don't want that to happen. So I had a great conversation with my CEO, who is also one of the owners of the company. And he really, over the course of two days, we had this long conversation about whether I'd stay with the company and whether I wouldn't, and what it would look like if I did, and what it would look like if I didn't. And in fact, we worked out that I'd be much happier if I moved out and set up my own practice. Um, So that's when Onyx went full time uh, as Onyx Online Law.
0: Onyx Online Law. That's a great story, and I, I want to ask a question before we get into the to Onyx Online Law. And that is, um, when you said you paid attention, and you know, here's a business that's turning over a hundred million dollars. There aren't that many of those, really, that are family businesses. So um, definitely up there. What was the yep. two or three things that you learned?
1: I learned how to manage finances. Uh, that there are lots of different ways of doing things but you have to have cash flow and you have to have reserves and you need to know where your spending is coming. So all the cash flow projections, I'd never looked at cash flow projections before that time and You know, in participating in board meetings and all that kind of thing, they're looking 12 months ahead and they're saying, this is going to be the budget for the next 12 months. These are our income projections and this is how it's going to impact cash flow and this is when we can afford to do things. And I went, right, Uh, you know, they're, they're aspects of a business that I hadn't looked at closely before and I really... I found that very important to understand the ebb and the flow of doing a business and managing it in a way that's sustainable and keeps you going instead of thinking, you know, you can't have that paycheck to paycheck mentality because unless you're generating the revenue, you don't know whether it's coming in or not. So one of the things that um, came out of that that was important for me is what I've heard uh, other people call bread and butter. So, what yep. are the things that happen all of the time that may, that cover your base expenses, and make sure that they're set up, they're in place, and they're working? And I think that was one of the first things. Um, another was people management. I did, I didn't realise how many people I was mentoring in the business until I left, and they told me about it. Um, and many of them have called me since and said, "Oh, look, I really miss talking to you," and so the importance of ensuring that the team feel nurtured and, um, you know, you, you can't put a team in place and then just hope they get on with it. You actually have to work with them. You have to, you know, days they need their they need their um, moods bolstered or they need direction, you know. If you're going to take on a leadership position in a business, you actually have to give direction. You can't rely on people to just run off and do things themselves. Um, So that was something else that was really important. And getting systems in place. You know, you can't... Hand over a business, and that was I was handing over a huge volume of work when I left. So I had structured that handover so that I could do it in a systematic way that made it really easy for the next person moving in to understand how I had done things and most importantly, where to find that information. So when I went into Onyx full time, I looked up, I looked at as I was setting up creating systems around that so that when I bring people into the business, it's very easy to say, okay, well, this is what we use and this is why we use it and this is how we use it so that you can duplicate what you're doing um, really easily instead of thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to bring someone in. What am I going to do with them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes makes perfect sense. And, and that's a, a beautiful way to capture some some real essence that we weren't expecting for the people on this call as well. Let's move to Onyx Online Law. um, Yes. Because that's what it is, Onyx Online Law. So let's, Jeanette, tell people exactly what you do and, um, you know, you've got a home office or an office from wherever you want around the world if you want to do it that way. And I know you recently trialled that and it (laughs) worked. So um, you've got some plans there.
1: (laughs) Uh, I have to say... um, Trialing it in Italy and it working so well was just the best thing, you know, in terms of big ego boosts and real encouragement for moving forward. That was fantastic. So to tell you what I do, uh, as an example, I got an email from a client on Thursday or Friday of last week. She rang me and was really stressed about something and uh, a dispute with um, a supplier who hadn't delivered and she wanted to terminate their services and they obviously didn't want her to terminate so there was a bit of toing and prying yep but one of the things that concerned her was whether she actually needed her service agreement signed so we'd had a discussion around it and when I originally wrote it for her she had told me she'd be doing it electronically with a tick box you know so people can tick the box and i agree to those terms and conditions so that's the way it was written And then when she was in this conversation with me, she was talking about the fact that she's still getting people to sign it and she's sending it out by email. She's not using a click box. So she was concerned if people don't sign it and send it back, are they still bound? Now, for all sorts of legal reasons, in a common law environment, yes, they are. Mm -hmm. But to give her certainty, I have a particular phrase that I put in terms and conditions which says, these terms and conditions will apply as soon as you give us instructions to get on with the work even if you don't sign and return this agreement so that it's abundantly clear to the customer and abundantly clear to the client Um, so she she was all stressed about this so i just made that change to her document that i had prepared a few months earlier and i emailed it to her the email she sent me back was you've done it for me, you are such a darling, you don't know what a nightmare this day has been, and it's just the pep up I needed. And, you know, there were lots of kisses on the bottom of the email. Now, yeah. that's what I do for people. Yeah.
0: Um, so you know, I,
1: yeah, I do it in the context of providing legal services, but it's about giving people peace of mind. It's about people feeling relieved and relaxed around what they're doing instead of stressed that something's not happening the way they want it to.
0: Yeah. So what are some of the things, Jeanette, that are, people get that hook them up in doing business online? That, that's a good one, terms and conditions and, you know, do we get them signed, do we not? And, you know, I, I'm amazed by what modern businesses still do things in old-fashioned ways these days and so I'd love to hear of your your five or six things or whatever they are that you really get involved in that could be a, a hiccup for people online. Okay
1: the very first thing that I so I do website legal audits from time to time and what I do is I go through from the back to the front of the website and work out whether there are issues what those issues are and how we best address them. So the very first thing is looking at ownership Who owns the domain name? Where does it sit? Can you actually transfer it? If you wanted to sell your online business, can you? And you'd been surprised at the number of people who went and got web developers to set them them up and the web developers own the domain name. And then they hold people to ransom when people actually want to do something with their domain name. Um, So that's one of the very first things that I look at and that is an issue for people. Intellectual property is another huge issue online because it's so easy to copy and paste and So easy to prosecute people for copying and pasting It happens a lot and lots of nasty letters get sent out saying you must take this down You must hand over money. You must do this that and the other I had a client a couple of years ago where his business was turning over 400,000 a year and he had this website and received a letter in the mail from a company in the US that had registered his trademark here in Australia. He'd been using it under license from the UK and hadn't thought to register it in Australia. So when they came in and tried to take it off him, we had to look at his business and whether he wanted to go through court or not. Now, his option was 150,000, three years potentially going through court and winning, but In the meantime, he's got no energy for his business, it's all a mess, there's a whole lot of uncertainty, you know, it's not pretty. Or what we actually did was we put a proposal to um, the people who own the trademark and said, hey, look, my client will rebrand in 90 days because we discovered that the value in his business was in his email list, not his website. So it wasn't going to impact his business significantly to do that. So we rebranded his website, registered the trademark for his domain name, um, moved all of his email list to a new email, updated them, communicated with them, got them all on board and within three months we were able to turn around and say to them, well, you can buy the domain name now and it will cost you three grand. You're right. and That is such a better solution than someone saying, because he came to me and he said, can you take me to court in this? And I went, well, you know, there's got to be other options because court is absolutely last resort and I never recommend it for anyone. Even though I used to be a litigation lawyer when I first started practice and my mentor in that area still says I'm a closet litigation lawyer and I should come back to it, um, (laughs) I don't (laughs) recommend court proceedings for anyone. and If you can avoid it, you should. There's always a way to negotiate out uh, and so that's what I help my clients do. Um, So IP is a big issue. Um, Terms and conditions. Think about eBay, Google. Um, Facebook, they all have pages and pages of terms and conditions. And one of the reasons they do that is if you own the platform, you can set the rules. Now, there are parameters within which you can set the rules, but you can set the rules. So why wouldn't you? If it's your website, if it's your community and your engagement, why would you not decide how you're going to determine the rules of engagement there Then you know, have everybody else decide it for you? So I highly recommend to people that they have um, terms and conditions on their website and even basic terms of use can provide you with a lot of protection because if you've yeah. got basic terms of use, you can say, here's how you use my copyright material. If you want to pick a fight with me, come here to my country and use my law to pick that fight. Don't try and take me somewhere else. Um, yeah. Those sorts of things, you you empower your business by by using terms of use and terms and conditions. Uh, Privacy. Now, anecdotally, privacy is important to Google (laughs) and they set the algorithms for the most popular search engine in the entire world. So if you don't have a privacy policy on your website, how do you think that might impact your rankings? I've got no proof to say it will at all, but I would have thought if it's important to Google that it probably should be important to you and not just to you think about your clients and your customers privacy is a massive talking point we've got a younger generation and a whole lot of people saying hey privacy is not important and then you've got the likes of Assange and Snowden and people like that saying actually it's personal privacy that's very important because that gives us freedom and it's corporate and governmental privacy that shouldn't be as tight as it is. So there's a massive range of views in the area of privacy but you think about your own personal information and the data that you are prepared to share publicly and what you're not prepared to share and what you'd like to protect and why would you not tell people whose information you're gathering what you're going to do with it. If you're not going to be selling it yeah.
0: Yeah really (laughs) really good points I mean we definitely do that. I think it's in our, in our opt-ins, in our emails as well, saying, you know, we're not going to sell your information to anybody. Um, we'll be the only ones who use it, da-da-da-da-da. But I already you've brought up things that, that have popped for me. I had, um, I had a lady buy a coaching package off us in 2007. That's a long time ago, right? And yeah. um, in about 2009, somebody contacted me. She was This lady's from Western Australia. She still operates. And uh, said, have you checked out her website because she's using your brand? And I'm like, what? And so oh, anyway, wow. I, go to, I go to her website. She's using part of our brand. Um, in other words, uh, Rock Your Life is our brand. So she has a rock your. And it's not life at the end of it. But when I clicked on her mission, vision and values, they were cut and pasted off ours. They were our mission, yeah. vision and values. I know because I wrote them. And I'm like... Yeah. Should I be flattered, or can't you come up with your own mission, vision, and values? But the funny twist in all of this um, is that we launched um, the particular product that's branded as her in Australia about two years ago, and she sent me a lawyer's letter.
1: (laughs) (gasps) Wow, she copied your brand and she sent you a lawyer's letter.
0: Wow. wow, she sent me a lawyer's letter. So I just wrote back and said I have these records going back to 2007. I have screenshots of your website. Would you like to continue?
1: Uh-huh. Aha.
0: <laughs> she never replied and we just went ahead with our event, which was what it was branded, but um it's fascinating and it was a fascinating experience because um I think it was good-natured by me. I've had, I've had two or three, um, actually all from Australia. It must be a dangerous place, of people <laughs> stealing my brands and things like that. I had somebody steal my trademark in Australia. Um, yeah. But, uh, but they ceased and desisted. And I had another second person steal my trademark. And when I said, hey, here's our trademark, blah, 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 and this is what it is and I need you to, to stop using it because it's confusing... They came back and they said, "Oh, we're not really even in the same business as you, so it doesn't matter." But they were using actual trademark, trademark statements. So I'm like, wow. "Wow!" So it's, folks, you know, you can relax with this stuff, or you can get it right and engage somebody like Jeanette. Let's hear about some more things. These are these are fascinating, Jeanette, because already I've experienced a few <laughs> of them. So let's let's see what else <laughs> you've got.
1: Um. It's interesting, actually, because when I, I do a lot of business presentations and people always think, oh, no, it's legal, it'll be boring, and it never is because there's always some really entertaining things that happen in business when people don't know what they're doing. Uh, so another thing that I, because I work with a, quite a few web developers being in the online space, and actually surprisingly, most recently, a whole bunch of uh personal trainers offering online programs and in both those circumstances what we're looking at is contracts for services so what what are your terms and conditions under which you provide your services like your coaching agreement Um, i had an inquiry from someone recently saying i i have a lifetime access um offer as part of my services and I actually want to ditch that website so what are my obligations so we had to work through that and how to give notice to clients and changes and what's fair and reasonable and all those sorts of things Um, but the main thing is using really clear contracts with clients it makes you look professional Uh, it avoids disputes because if and And this is clear contracts, not legalese, not something that nobody can read except the lawyers. This is, you know, what we do for you, what your responsibilities are, how do you pay us or how do we pay you, you know, using everyday statements and, and language to convey what you're doing. So with web developers, one of the big issues they've seem to have is the number of reviews that people want when they're getting a website developed and what constitutes a change and what constitutes a completely new website. And how you explain to someone who knows nothing about building websites that this and this are two entirely separate things and involve, you know, 40 hours work each and that's why you have to pay for this one again if you want it that different. And actually, here's a couple of tweaks, and that's not going to cost you any more money. So putting together really clear terms and conditions that say, well, you've got two changes... Um, if you, you have to email us all of your changes in one email, because if you send us multiple emails, that counts as multiple changes, because we're not here to check our emails every five minutes, you know, those sorts of things, communicating really clearly so that your client understands exactly what they're getting, what their responsibilities are, because like in a coaching program, if people don't turn up for coaching calls, there's only so much you can do for them.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: and you're still setting aside your time you're still there you're still available they've taken that chunk out of your day and that's what they've paid for If they fail to turn up and get the benefit of your wisdom at the same time, well, that's their responsibility, not yours. Um, So making sure that there are really clear terms and conditions like that. And with the personal trainers, for them, the big deal is, well, what if somebody watches this video or does this checklist or does this, that, and the other and suffers a personal injury? Where's my responsibility? And how do we manage that in terms and conditions? And you can. Um, Right.
0: And I think that would be the same for a lot of online business as well, where you're getting people to do something. So for instance, your business, right? You're giving advice online. So that's one. Um, The consultancy business. I mean, I know with Lundy, my partner, I mean, she does a huge amount of consultancy online and, and she's teaching consultants to do consultancy online. So there's, there's a lot of um, protection and things that need to be done there. And, and uh, this is a whole new field. And, People are doing Pilates instructions online and yoga online and and everything. So it's it's amazing.
1: It is. It is. And it's just, it's more about, you know, if you're face-to-face, it's easy to build rapport and to... Um, get a feel for whether your client understands or not you have to be so much more conscious of that online because you don't have that face to face necessarily a lot of it is documentation and people can misread things and or misunderstand things Um, I know that in South Africa at the moment one of the new legal uh, innovations is writing contracts with pictures and it's designed specifically for the illiterate population Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's just amazing you know there's there's lots of key ways of communicating clearly and it's just so worthwhile because you avoid disputes you're all on the same page it's so much easier to do business um you know that kind of thing so
0: yeah absolutely and uh I'm surprised now by uh, what was I doing recently? I was doing some fairly technical online thing that I thought um, I was going to have to print it out and do all this sort of stuff, but actually just giving an online email signature was fine for this organisation. So this must be another way in which things are changing online as well and I guess you can uh, help and advise people in setting that up, particularly where there's long-term contracts involved.
1: Absolutely. So a lot of countries, developed countries, introduced legislation back in about 2000 to deal with electronic commercial transactions. And that's why you see the tick boxes, um, all of that sort of thing online, because there had to be a way to make it easy to demonstrate there is a concluded contract between parties without requiring people to print stuff out, sign it and send it back. So you're tick box that says I agree to these terms and conditions provided that it has a functioning link to those terms and conditions and people have the opportunity to read them beforehand if they tick the box they're saying yes they have agreed to them. Um, Now if it turns out that they haven't read them afterwards you've still done everything you are required to do as a business to give them that reasonable opportunity. And part of the reason behind this was somebody got practical in the meantime, you know, in in putting together the electronic transactions legislation and said, hey, we can't make people do stuff because even with printed contracts, probably 90% of the time people don't read them and they sign them anyway. So why would you create a more onerous situation online when practically speaking, people don't do that? And that's why the tick box is an opportunity. Um, other contracts, I have other clients who are more concerned and would like to see a demonstration of a client actually taking an action to support their agreement. And that's when you can use electronic signatures and all that kind of thing. Uh, recently here in Australia, there was a decision um, that rocked the legal community because you got to understand, not every lawyer adopts technology. Um... I had a lawyer say to me the other day, I really don't understand computers. Now we're we're in the middle of a transaction, he's acting for the buyer, I'm acting for the seller where we're selling a software company. Wow. And it's really frustrating because he keeps asking for things in hard copy. And we're like it's all on the server and the server is physically being transferred. But anyway. It's mm. a different conversation. <laughs> but um yeah, you there are lots of ways to validly have electronic transactions, and this decision here in Australia was that an exchange of emails between lawyers representing clients in a property transaction was valid as a wow. binding contract. So um, there's a lot of very very careful lawyers out there in the property industry right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there would be. Let's um let's talk about now. I, firstly, I want to congratulate you on being able to build a legal practice online and have clients now, which aren't only in Australia, you've got clients from around the world talking to you about different things. Um, that's, that's for sure. And yeah. when, when we started uh, this, this call or just before that, I asked you to put together something for people so that uh, it would cover off a lot of the things that people don't address sure. and that, yep. they, um, that they definitely should be addressing online. So um, let's, let's take a few minutes, Jeanette, and just talk us through that, and uh, maybe you can do a screen share, because I know you've got uh, some stuff there when you, when you want to do that. So over to you.
1: Okay, absolutely. Now, let's see if this works. Tell me if you can see the screen.
0: Yep, I can see it, except when I talk, it'll go off, so I'm going to kick my microphone onto mute.
1: Okay, cool. <laughs> Alright, what I wanted to do uh, for you today was to help you put together a legal protection plan for what you're doing online and the first step in that process would be working with you to review your website from back to front, which is what I normally where I normally start with clients and really look at where you have issues and how we might address that. Um, I normally charged clients597 uh, dollars for doing that. I in addition to that and to sort of build up this whole um, business in a box going forward or your legal protection plan in a box going forward, was to look at getting your privacy policy up and running and working, but not just the policy. How do you deal with it afterwards? For example, If you actually got a complaint saying you're the only person I gave this email address to and it suddenly ended up in this, you know, spam list and I'm really upset and it must be your fault, how do you deal with that? Um, A lot of people will copy and paste stuff offline and they'll go, "Oh, oh, I got that privacy policy off that company so it must be good without even reading it through and without making it clear and then if they do get any notice, they don't know how to deal with it so it's giving you some procedures on how to manage that kind of inquiry or complaint. Um, Terms of use, as I said before you have the opportunity to set the rules of engagement around your online presence. Why wouldn't you? Um, So we look at what you're doing including e-commerce and payment terms, including a disclaimer if that's relevant to the type of business that you're doing, making sure you've got at least some base level protection there so that if anybody did want to pick a fight with you, we make it easy for you and hard for them. Uh, membership site terms and conditions. Now, there are different levels of complexity. There are some people who have massive membership sites with all different bells and whistles and different features and then there are other people whose membership sites are very straightforward in terms of entry and then access once you're inside. So it depends on the level of the playing field there and what you're doing with your your people who subscribe or join a membership. Um, so that can vary uh, but I it, it's anywhere from sort of 1297 to 1999 to put those together for people normally. Um, making sure your contract for services. Now we've talked about that already. For anybody out there who's suddenly going, oh maybe I should do something about that. Get your contract for services sorted out and I charge Around $1,500 is about the average for what I do for people uh, in both the consultancy space and other spaces around that. Training and guidance. Now, this this is the part that really works for you. I would much rather empower you in your business to understand why we're doing things how we're putting stuff together and what that means for you going forward and whether you can make changes or tweaks here and there or whether you actually need it reviewed and how often you need it reviewed and that kind of thing and training your team so that if they got a question about this or that or the other they might actually have an opportunity to answer it and and manage an inquiry effectively rather than say no you can't or you know we don't know Um, and in putting that together we also have um, my husband built a website lawforwebsites.info where i was dealing with a lot of startups people who have no money at all so I created a, a whole bank of templates and one set of templates we put together was a complete website legal templates pack and now normally we sell that on the website for $999 it is templates so it's not customized for any particular business um, but it's something that you can reference and, and have a look at and say oh wow I hadn't even thought of that maybe we should be looking at something like that for our business. Um, now. That obviously has quite a retail value, Um, it's over 7 grand worth of legal work, it would take some time to work through with you, it's not something you can do in a day Um, and, and what I'd like to do to ensure that you have the opportunity to really set yourself up moving forward in your business is to offer you this today for $999. Um, so that's about a, uh, 80, 85% discount on the, the retail value. Now these are actual retail values. This is what I charge clients when they come to me and they get me to tailor these terms and conditions and that kind of thing for them. And this is what I propose to do with you. So this is consuming quite a bit of my time to work with you on this process. but. I really value working with Mike and Rock Your Life and having the opportunity to do stuff with them. And if you're here and you're part of this audience, you know, I, I think you're worth investing in. And and that's what this is about for you. So That's
0: great, Jeanette. Really, really good. Um, there's so much in that in terms of what people really need. And this is one of these things, folks, that mostly you're going to probably turn a blind eye to this. and. You're probably sitting there thinking, oh, I know she's right, I know she's right, da-da-da-da-da, and I don't have this and I don't have that. This is a very simple fix, a really simple fix. We're going to put a link up down the bottom of the screen and uh, you can click on that link and just go through and uh, make the payment and then Jeanette will sort all of this out for you, Jeanette, and uh, for you. And, Jeanette, you'll be in touch with people pretty much straight away, correct?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, so let's just leave that up again. Let's just run back through that slide again and then let's just cover off a couple more things on our call. So I'll just leave it through you to just quickly talk through that again.
1: Okay, so what we're looking at is a website legal audit because we need this to work out the foundation of um, where you're at and where you wanna go. Cause you know, if you're going on a journey, you don't know how to get there unless you know where you're starting from. So that's where we start from, the website legal audit. Then we look at your privacy policies and procedures because we're all about caring for your clients and making sure they feel comfortable sharing their information with you because the more they share with you, the more they buy with you. Terms of use, ensuring that you have set the rules of engagement for working with you. Uh, Making sure that You know, people are clear. They know what what's going on and how they can interact with you online. Setting up membership membership site terms. This is to ensure that if you're creating a community, you set the rules of engagement for the community and how people can come in, how you can turf them out if you need to. um, Your contract for services. So when you are providing one-on-one services or really specific services to people, we're going to create a really clear, easy to follow, plain English um, contract there for you so that there is a minimum of disputes and and you look really professional and people love working with you because they actually know where they stand. Um, some training and guidance to make sure you understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it. and training, you know, we can involve your team in that process so that if there is anybody managing something for you, they know how to answer questions, essentially, and where they can do stuff and not do, you know, stuff they shouldn't mess with. Um, And to spoil all of that, we're going to give you a bundle of really useful templates that you can reference back and have a, a flick through when when you're not sure or you think you might have something missing uh if you feel that you don't want to come back and and have a further chat and you'd rather just whack something up there quickly yourself or at least want to put something in to um you know hold things off for a week while you get organized there you've got some templates you can use Jeanette, and that's, all, of that's that <laughs> all of that for $9.99 all
0: of that for nine ninety nine dollars is absolutely brilliant so um uh, yep, you can unscreen share now. That's perfect.
1: Okay, <laughs> and I just want to
0: you wrap can. up by, um, by thanking you for being on the call today and uh, really giving some good <laughs> insights into some of the traps that people have yep. in business and also giving us some insights into how you've taken something that traditionally has been a very offline business and, and turned it in and made it work from an online perspective. So where are you going to be running your law firm from next year?
1: Well, next year we hope to be in Morocco. Oh, actually, no, we will be in Morocco. Morocco, Um, (laughs) yeah. So we're doing that with you and Rock Your Life team. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic trip. Absolutely. Um, I do quite a bit of work in Melbourne and back and forward around the place. So for me, it just makes life very, very easy to you know, Landy inspired me with the way she does business on her mobile phone and yeah. we've actually got to the point where we can do that now. Now obviously it's a bit harder to, to draft documents and things on a mobile phone but at least I can access all the information I need, all the details I need, you know, everything's there and it makes it so easy. And you know, if I want to go with Tony and ride a motorcycle uh, up the coast for the day, I can take my mobile phone with me and I'm not out of contact with my clients and I can still answer immediate issues or let people know that I've heard and I'll get back to them the next day. It's fantastic um, and it's so flexible. You know, I People say to me have you got time to meet at such and such and I go actually I do because I'm not having to tell people where I am and I'm not having to worry about being in an office 9 to 5 um, and I just love that level of flexibility and, and being able to do all the things that I want to do and still really enjoy the work that I enjoy.
0: Absolutely. Well, Jeanette, uh, that's pretty inspiring for people listening. So, again, thank you so much. We'll leave you to your fabulous dinner of Moroccan food <laughs> Hopefully in preparation for our trip next year and uh, we'll catch everybody later. Thanks, Jeanette.
1: Thanks very much, Mike. Bye.